Hey, welcome. My name is Glenn Lundy. Super excited to be launching our new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Can you believe it? That's right. The Breakfast with Champions podcast has finally arrived. This is your opportunity to get motivation, education, and inspiration every single day. And ultimately, your opportunity to get a seat at the table, to be a fly on the wall, to listen in to some conversations between some of the most amazing superhumans from around the planet. We're talking about people that are doing the things you know you can do, that have reached some of those levels you know you can reach. We've got celebrity interviews with people like Tiffany Haddish and Grant Cardone, Lauren Rittiger. We've got specialists in areas like Capital Ventures, right? Or wealth building, wealth management, real estate, all kinds of incredible conversations. And what's amazing about the Breakfast with Champions podcast is you're going to be able to tune in, listen in. They won't even know you're there, right? It's just like you're, you're, you're listening in on all these incredible secrets of some of the most successful humans from all around the world. You know, when we launched Breakfast with Champions, we had no idea of the power that it was gonna have. We had no idea of the collaborations it would create. We had no idea that we'd be able to connect humans from England and Australia and Saigon and America, of course, all together in one room having powerful conversations that elevate everyone in the experience. Listen, if you like these episodes of Breakfast with Champions, do me a huge favor and let us know. We would greatly appreciate it. We pour into this. You're going to get five to six hours of content every single day, Monday through Friday, five days a week. You can keep coming back. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast. We'd appreciate it. Drop your comments, share your thoughts and your reviews. It mean the world to us if you would do that. And in exchange, we promise you that we will always create a space, a safe space where you can come. You're not going to get politics here. It's not going to happen. You'll never see any type of division in here. It's actually exactly the opposite. We have a bunch of different people with different belief systems, different upbringing, different backgrounds. We've got people from all different ethnicities all coming together. But the one thing that we share is everyone in this room shares the same heart. And it is a heart to elevate you, to encourage you, to inspire you, and to help you become the absolute best version of yourself that you can possibly be. So if you would, do us a favor, write those reviews, subscribe to the podcast, tell your friends. We're going to be here, and we hope that you will be too. Enjoy Breakfast with Champions. You'll see there in the notes that you can skip forward. You can move back. If you need to pause it for a minute, you'll now have that opportunity to do so. We do record these daily on Clubhouse. We have a Breakfast with Champions Club there, or you can follow me, Glenn Lundy, if you'd like to see those rooms, if that's an app that you enjoy. You can always come in and tune in live, or of course, just sit back and enjoy right here on the podcast and anywhere your podcast can be found. It is such an honor and a privilege to be able to spend this time with you. I know that there are a trillion places you could have chose to be. You chose to be right here with us on Breakfast with Champions, and that means the world to me, and I absolutely stinking love you for it. So with that said, we are excited to launch the new Breakfast with Champions podcast. Thanks so much. Hey, just to set the room, happy Friday, everybody. Welcome to the Breakfast with Champions. Feel free to uh, use that plus bar at the bottom. 
Invite your friends, family, anyone that you think would benefit from this incredible room, Breakfast with Champions. So the next hour is the hour with David Meltzer, and David is actually bringing on one of his good friends um, and, and leaders, Sean Walcheff. Uh, Sean is the Cali Barbecue Media founder. He's a media marketing coach, a restaurateur, a podcast host, and a hospitality speaker. So without further ado, we wanted to bring up Sean. So welcome, Sean. We'll be helping lead the conversation for this next hour, bringing on some uh, great guests um, and answering some questions. So, Sean, if you can please unmute yourself and welcome to the clubhouse. Jake, thank you so much. Uh, honored to be here. What Sarah and Glenn have built, um, David has told me about and I've been participating in um, as somebody in the audience, Breakfast with Champions. I mean, this is incredibly powerful and what people are doing on Clubhouse is something that I'm fascinated with and hopefully today um, my guest Sam the cooking guy Sam Zion he is one of my media mentors along with David Meltzer um, he's going to join me we're going to share his story and kind of uh, understand the game within the game that's what I'm obsessed with uh, on our digital hospitality podcast every single week I try to interview people that inspire me people um, like the people that come and speak in these rooms at Breakfast with Champions. And for me, what my grandfather taught me was to stay curious, get involved, and ask for help. Um, he was born on a farm in Bulgaria. He was born to be a farm boy. And essentially, his love of, of reading, his love of curiosity, allowed him to do incredible things in his life. But one, of the most, one of the most important things he did was teach me um, how to ask for help. And you know, as we built our barbecue business, as we're building our media company, I've reached out for help from people like David, um, who's been an incredible mentor to me, the entire Melter team, Jake, what you do, what you do, Colleen, um, everybody is so inspiring to me. But what I also know is that I need to continue to ask for help. And Sam, uh, the cooking guy who I'm bringing on, and for those of you that don't know, I'm gonna give you a little bit of background on Sam. So Sam has 15 Emmys. He's written five cookbooks, currently writing his sixth cookbook. He has 160,000 followers on Facebook, 192,000 Pinterest monthly views, 250,000 IG followers, 45,000 Twitter followers, four restaurants, three million subscribers on YouTube, and more importantly, he is a grandfather, he is a father, he's a husband. He's a leader, and um, more importantly, he's my friend, and I'm grateful that he's here today. Jake, um, do we have Sam up on stage? Yes. Yes, we do. Hey, Sean. David. Hey, David. Hey, guys. I just wanted to say hi, Sean, and I wanted to thank you so much for doing this. I think you represent to me someone who can take any industry and digitalize it. And when we first started working in hospitality, I thought, I wonder if this is really going to work, but you've done an incredible job. And our next guest, as you said, is going to be incredible. So I just wanted to thank you real quickly. Well, David, I, I, I'm grateful for your stage theory. Um, you know, what you talk about is the ability to share your story, amplify your story, ask for help. Um, one of the things you've helped me do. And uh, I'm grateful that you, you gave me the stage today to, to share Sam's story. So Sam, welcome to Clubhouse. What, uh, what, what did you think when I told you Breakfast with Champions, 6 a.m. Clubhouse? Here's what I thought. I thought I started this week, Monday, with a colonoscopy, and I'm ending the week by sharing this with you at an ungodly hour. And I like the idea. <laughs> of, of course, you know. Of course, you know with your your media training how to uh, how to set the room. Well, 
For for those that don't know, can you take can you take us back to to when you decided to to quit your job? Yeah. And and go all in. Yeah. So you know I've told this story a bunch of times. Uh, you've heard it a bunch of times. So I I don't want you to get bored with it, but. What I do now is a 100% direct result from me wanting to find something in my life, uh, business-wise, that I could have a little passion about. I think far too many people spend, uh, spend their business working hours at something that they don't particularly like. And um, that was me. Uh, I never grew up knowing what I wanted to do. It was never this fireman, accountant, teacher. I never had any direction. And I sort of followed one of my brothers um, a little bit. He went into marketing, advertising, and it seemed like something I might like to do, so I went into that. He had a, a client that uh, was a frozen yogurt store chain, and um, he suggested maybe why don't we uh, buy a franchise they are doing really well, and I did that. And uh, we found ourselves in, um, in uh, Arizona in, uh, oh gosh, like 1986 with a frozen yogurt franchise. Um, and it was fine, but it was just like waking up and doing something that didn't particularly interest me. Fortunately, a guy came along that wanted to buy the Phoenix rights that we had. He had already had Tucson. We sold it, and I didn't know what to do. So I did what so many people do when they don't know what to do in business. I went into real estate because it's not like going back to school for four years, you know? It's not really technical. I mean, you do have to go take some take some classes, but, you know, six months later, a real estate license comes, and you start making money. But the day that my real estate license came in the mail in Phoenix was the day we decided to leave Phoenix and come to San Diego where we had some family. My wife had a brother, his wife, and, a, and they had a, their first son here. So we moved to Phoenix. And uh, I sort of moved from Phoenix to San Diego. And I got my real estate license a second time in a year. Uh, and just let me say, it's much more difficult in San Diego than it is in uh, Arizona, at least at the time. California were much more uh, restrictive. So I get my license, I start selling real estate, and um, guess what? I'm not passionate about it, but I'm doing it. Uh, I had a friend once that referred to me as a, not a real estate agent, but as a secret agent because I wouldn't tell people what I did. I didn't want to be that guy at a cocktail party handing out business cards. Uh, Hi, if you ever have a need to buy or sell a house, uh, here's, here's my card. I didn't want to be that guy. I was almost embarrassed to be that guy. I have friends that sell real estate. I have family that sells real estate. There's nothing to be embarrassed about. It's a great living. It's a fantastic thing if, if you like it. And that's the reality for everything in, in work. If you like it, you'll do it well. If you like it, you'll want to do it. If you like it, you'll get up early to do it. It's just that simple. And again, I find myself in a business. I, I wrote down one day on a piece of paper how many different jobs I had after. I, and it was a lot. <laughs> it was a lot. I was just trying to find myself. Anyway, I said, one day something good will come of me being in real estate. 
And uh, I sold the house to a guy who two years after I sold it to him came back and said, hey, what do you know about commercial real estate? I mean, I knew nothing, but in real estate, you learn to say you know everything. And I said, oh, I, I, of course, that's, that's, I'm your man. He goes, great, I'm looking to start a biotech company. And I need this big of a space and blah, blah, blah. And about two months into that, he goes, one day he goes, look, uh, I really enjoy working with you. I will need a facility manager once we get this place up and running. I'd like that to be you. And he, I said, I, look, uh, his name was, we'll call him Barry. Well, that was his name, actually. I said, Barry, I don't know anything about facilities management. He goes, look, you understand real estate. And along with that, there's some amount of construction that I'm sure you're going to know, but we'll have architects and builders and stuff like that. But there's the things that you can do and you can learn, and I think you'd be great for it. So I said, yes, thank you. I will do that. I left real estate, and I started, uh, I started uh, as the facilities manager for a biotech company in uh, San Diego called Ontogen. And I did that for eight years. And I will tell you, the first three years were really wonderful. And years four, five, six, seven, and eight were not so wonderful. And I started getting that old feeling again, man, I don't like this. I don't like this. I'm bored. I can't, I can't get my head around any of this stuff. And so um, um, I'm sitting at my desk one day, and I'm trying to analyze I've ended up doing something that I don't like. What might I like to do? And I said to myself, wait a second. If somebody ran in my office door right now and looked at me and said, right now, name the one thing that you would like to do, what would that be? And the answer instantly was I wanted to go back to Tokyo, which is kind of sort of a random, random thing. But I'd been a couple of years before with my brother-in-law. He went for work. And I went for my 40th birthday present to myself. <clears throat> and as I'm sitting at my desk in that biotech company that day, I'm thinking about that trip and how much I liked it. And how much I thought, what if somebody showed you as a travel show how to go to a place that you thought was complicated but that you could pull it off? Because when I was in Tokyo, my brother-in-law was at a conference during the day, big trade show, and during the day, I'm wandering the streets of Tokyo by myself. And, and um, when I would tell my friends what I did when I came back, they would say, but also, Heidi, you, you can't read the signs, understand the language. How do you figure out the food and the, everything? And for me, Sean, that was kind of the compelling part. That was the fun part. And in that moment, at my desk, having all these thoughts about what if somebody started a travel show that encouraged you to go to a place that you thought you couldn't do. Don't go to North Dakota again this summer. Not that there's anything wrong with North Dakota. Please, don't, don't hate me for that. I'm just saying, if you go to North Dakota every summer, nice family trip, that's, gr that's great, but maybe change it up a little bit. Uh, it's a... It's a, it's a a well-used expression, but boy, it's a very big world out there, and there's a lot of stuff to see. So in that moment, at my desk in the biotech company, I said, I'm going to start a travel show. I called the guy that had done some video for the biotech company. I said, here's my idea. We go to Tokyo, maybe Hong Kong in the same trip. We, we shoot some, we come back, we put it together, and we try and sell this. And he goes, great idea. Uh, I can't do it, but here's a guy that can. 
there was two people for crew. We were going to Tokyo and Hong Kong. I had this all worked out. I, I, I've managed to convince a, uh, a hotel association in Japan and the Hong Kong Tourist Board to help uh, underwrite the trip. No money, but uh, flights and, and hotels and uh, stuff like that. And they would write me and they would say, uh, w we love this idea. The idea was sort of like the everyman's version of a, of a trip like that. You can do this. Here's how you get around. Here's, here's how you find fun when the ordering food, when you don't know what the menu reads like, that kind of thing. So they'd ask me questions in email about the experience of the crew. And well, the crew had a little experience. I had none. So I would uh, write back really long emails, just trying to bamboozle them, just trying to put so many words in front of them that they would go, oh, well, this is going to be great. I was trying to sell their cities from a different point of view. You don't need a billion dollars to go to Tokyo for a, a week. You can do it not completely on the cheap, but you can still have a great time. So they agree. We're all set. We're going to Tokyo and Hong Kong to shoot for a few days, come back, try and turn it into something that people will look at and go, we want to put that on our TV. And we were not looking for like a half hour, an hour show. These were meant to be short 90 seconds at a time. So like a, the local uh, the, uh, TV station would say, uh, stay tuned all next week at uh, 10 uh, during our uh, 10 o'clock news while our travel, whatever guy, I didn't have a name for myself then. All right, well, we show you how to travel uh, and uh, enjoy a week in Tokyo. And each night there'd be another 90 seconds. Hey listeners, if you enjoy listening to Breakfast with Champions, we can bet you care about your daily routine. Do you want to know the secret to the perfect routine? It's the perfect morning. Glenn has written a free ebook called The Morning Five, five simple steps to an extraordinary morning. If you can transform your morning, you can transform your life. Head on over to themorningfive.com to learn more about the five ways you can change the way you start your day. How to get there, how to find your way around, uh, you know, transportation wise, what food is like, what, uh, you know, that. And a month before we were supposed to go, 9-11 happened. And whenever I tell the story, I say the exact same thing. I say, and that day changed thousands of other people's lives much more significantly than it changed mine. But it still changed my life because on September 12th that year, uh, I didn't have a biotech job to go to because I... People weren't going to Hong Kong. People weren't going to Seattle. And uh, there's this little issue of, oh, yeah, I forgot I didn't have any TV experience, so why should somebody give me a job? So that kind of went out the window. I sat on the couch. My wife would go to work and look at me and go, what, what's next, honey? And uh, I'd say, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And I, I credit her with the one that gave me the, the, the kick in the ass to do this in the first place. Because the day that I came home to my wife at my house with a mortgage and two cars outside and three children and two dogs and said, "Hun, I want to quit the biotech world, walk away from a paycheck and insurance and health benefits and all that stuff. And I want to try and start a travel show. She said, you should do this. And before you get to thinking, well, she's just the best person in the world, which by the way, she is. It wasn't because she thought that's what I should be doing. It's because she knew that I was miserable. And I would try my hand at travel, and of course it wouldn't work because I had no experience. And there I'd be three, four months later, 
back out in the real world again, and now I'd be forced to find something that would make me happy. So that was her end game, her husband being happy. And for that, uh, none of this would have happened without Kelly saying, yes, you should do this that day. So now she's standing at the couch behind me, APRE 9-11, saying, what, what are you going to do, sweetheart? And I go, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And literally within a week of 9-11 happening, and me being on the couch in the morning watching uh, morning news and then TV, whatever nonsense I was watching, I come across a local channel with a chef from a restaurant, a hotel restaurant, and he's making, remember this is fall, he's making some butternut squash soup thing. And as I'm watching it, I'm thinking, holy F, this is, this guy's making it like 400 times more complicated than I think it should be. Now, I was not a, a cook. I was not a chef. I did some barbecue grilling stuff. Probably about as much cooking in my arsenal as Wall Chef does now. He's got a bunch of restaurants, but he's got people that do it. My wife did the cooking. I only did the grilling because I was a guy and I were supposed to. And I didn't even do a very good job at it. But I'm watching this cooking uh, demo on this channel, and the anchors are kind of silly. They're asking really dumb questions. And the, and, and the, the people behind the camera, they know how to a desk or someone standing in front of a green screen, but they don't know how to shoot food. It's different than the camera was going in and out and in and out. I was getting seasick from that. And the anchors were wearing aprons and the chef was using creme fraiche and the, the, the two anchor people couldn't pronounce it. And the, the chef could have said, you know, look, if you don't have creme fraiche, because it's kind of a chefy thing, sour cream will work just as easily. But he didn't do that. He made it complicated. And the shooting was bad. And the whole thing was bad. And I just went, God sakes, somebody should do that better. And it, that was a, that was that light bulb again. Second light bulb I've had in my life. The first one was to start a full show. And the second one was, why can't somebody be doing that demo on a local TV channel uh, in a way that instead of looking at what's being made and saying, wow, that looks delicious, I could never in a thousand years make that. So let's go to the guy's restaurant, which that's what the chef was trying to do. And it was a noble cause. But I thought, why not, why not do something that the people looking at home will go, that looks delicious and it looks easy. I bet I could make that. It's like the give a man a fish or teach a man to fish. That chef was giving them a fish. And I thought he should be teaching them to fish. My wife came home that day and I said, I've got it. She goes, you've got what? I go, I now know what I'm doing. She goes, what's it going to be? And I go, cooking. And she looked at me and she goes, I think it's a great idea. Just one thing. And I go, what? She goes, honey, you just can't freaking cook. And I go, but, but, but here's the genius of my idea, sweetheart. I will make things easy enough that the people watching will be able to do it. I will be my own weakest link. It's precisely my lack of skills that will make this thing work. And I went for it. I called the crew. Well, now, now it's just down to one guy. I had problem again. I said, we're not shooting travel. We're not leaving San Diego. And we're going to shoot a demo, and I'm going to send that out. And he shot it. <clears throat> and in the middle of it, uh, I couldn't find a whisk. I was making this salmon thing. 
which, by the way, is on my website. It's called Rainy Day Salmon. It's delicious. You should make it. But I digress. I can't find my whiskey. And he goes, all right, just I'll stop. You find your whiskey, and we'll carry on. And I looked at him, and I said, you know what? There's something very genuine about uh, me not being able to find my whiskey. I'm certain other people can't find their whiskey at time, too. Let's leave it in. So he moaned a bit. It didn't seem professional to him. But it wasn't his video. It was mine. So in the, when the thing got edited, uh, it was in. And now I find five different people to send it to. Not at local TV stations. The idea was I would make this product once and sell it a whole bunch of times. It would be evergreen. It could be played on a station in San Diego, uh, you know, on their morning news once a week, twice a week, however many times they wanted to pay for it. Uh, it could play in Illinois. It could play in Vancouver, Canada. It wouldn't matter. <clears throat> so I don't want to send it directly to a local TV station because if they hate it, and then I realize they hate it and I fix it, I know they're not watching it a second time. <clears throat> I once had an, uh, an agent tell me that one of the like Entertainment Tonight kind of shows was looking for a new anchor. I can't remember what the requirements were. You know, a male between the 24 and 30, Hispanic, uh, uh, the, you know, this kind of look, this style, whatever. And, and the agent said they, the, this, the television went to three or four big agencies in L.A., told them what they were looking for, and, and asked them to line up like 10 candidates on tape. So they went in, they'd sit down, they'd put somebody's uh, reel in, they'd watch this person, and they'd give it like five seconds. And if they weren't impressed in those five seconds, out would come the tape, and then the next person's tape would go in. That's a first impression, man. You only have one chance to make. And I was concerned if I sent out a shitty product and some uh, local executive at a TV station saw it, and didn't like it. If I fixed it and sent it back, he's not watching it a second time. I had one kick at the cat. Terrible expression, by the way, and I would never kick a cat. We should probably all stop saying that. So, <clears throat> I sent my tape out to, to five people that were uh, TV station related, but not actually a TV station. People that, whatever, doesn't matter who they are now. And, and nobody liked it. Uh, one guy said, look, man, you can't you can't not know where stuff is. You have to be the expert. And I thought, but, but it feels so natural. I can't find my stuff all the time, and I don't think I'm an idiot. I think it's just the, the nature of kitchen drawers. Everybody's got that one drawer with 800 things in it. I'm not proud of that drawer, but I have that. So he didn't like it. Other people didn't like it. One guy said, and I won't say the word because it's too harsh of a word, but I'm going to say the letter, and I want you to say the word out, the sentence out in your head because it's quite impactful. The guy said, listen, you don't have an effing chance. Can you imagine saying that to somebody? Well, look, when things like that happen, you have a uh, choice. You can get so pissed off that you say, screw it. I probably shouldn't be doing this. I have no right to be doing this. What makes me think I could be on TV? What makes me think I'll find an audience in a home? Or you get so pissed off that you go, F everybody, now I really want this more than ever. So that's what I said. I said, all right, fine. I'm going to do one more thing. 
I'm now going to take this and send it out to three local TV stations. Exactly who I didn't want to send it to right in the beginning, but if they all tell me that it blows, then I'll uh, rethink this whole thing. I sent it to three stations in San Diego. I got ignored by two. Uh, really lo- uh, ignored in the most lovely way by a by the uh, general manager's assistant at the NBC station here, who in a, her beautiful uh, British accent said to me, thank you, Mr. Zion. We loved watching your tape. Just have to tell you, it's not exactly right for us at this time. And I thought to myself, you know, those, those brutes could tell you anything and you'd be okay with it. A doc, you could break your elbow and a doctor would walk in and go, you know, Mr. Zion, we've had a good look at the x-ray. We've got to amputate. And you'd it will sh- you want to do that now or am I coming back in an hour? You don't disagree. The accent is so nice. So she turned me down. Somebody else turned me down. And I got a phone call one day from a guy. His name's Alberto Pando. And this guy, this guy said to me, Look, I watched your demo last night. I'll be honest with you. I thought uh, you were a little odd. He goes, but I really enjoyed it. Um, he goes, and I wasn't so sure, so I went out to the newsroom. I got a half dozen other people. I had them all come in my office. I said, I'm going to play you something. I want you to tell me what you think of it. He goes, they all laughed at the exact same parts that I did. They thought you were odd, and they thought you were likable, and we'd like to talk to you about being on TV. This is the moment that I go, you only need one person in life to believe in you. Right? You only need one boss. You only need one partner in life. And unless, of course, you're in Utah and then gloves are off there. But... You really just need one person there. And that one person was Alberto Pando. And I thanked him in my first cookbook as being the first guy to see something in, in Sam, the, the cooking guy. So I have, a, I have a conversation with him in his office a few days later. He offers me a job uh, twice a week, a 90-second cooking segment on the news, but not in the studio, not all uh, wonky and and uh, awkwardly shot like that chef that I watched. They were going to come to my house and they were going to shoot it. They'd go back, they'd edit it down to a tight minute and a half, or tight two minutes, and um, they'd air twice a week. And um, it worked. Sam. It, yeah. Sorry. I, I, your, your story, obviously, I, I could listen to it a, a thousand times. I think I've asked you a thousand times. I think I've asked you a thousand times. You and David Meltzer are the guests that I've had the most on my podcast, and I will continue to have you on because of the knowledge that you have. What I'd love for you to share with uh, Breakfast with Champions, if anyone has a question for Sam, please back channel Jake. Um, Jake is up here from Meltzer's team. Jake is magic. Um, anybody that knows Jake, uh, please just back channel him. We can get a questions for Sam. But Sam, I'd love for you to talk about fact that you wanted to launch this travel show 20 years ago, you know, 9-11, that was when the idea around that time, we're coming up on 20 years. And when I go on Google and I search for Sam the Cooking Guy, obviously you have millions and millions of results, but one of the things that comes up is where did Sam the Cooking Guy go? Which is ironic to come up because this is what you and I talk about when we talk about the game within the game, old media versus new media, all the work that you built a career on TV. And now your career has taken off thanks to the internet, thanks to YouTube, thanks to all the, the, the storytelling and the truth, the authenticity that you've referred to, leaning into. Can you talk about 
what you and your son did launching, going yeah. from the seven years of being on YouTube with 30,000 subscribers to your real exponential growth. And knowing that, yeah, knowing that the people in this room, they, they can be inspired to start sharing their story using what we talk about all the time, that smartphone in their pocket. I ran into a guy at the supermarket the other day. He goes, see, I'm a cooking guy. Uh, I used to love watching you. I go, oh, okay. It's kind of a backhanded compliment. But why do you watch anymore? He goes, well, you're not on TV anymore. I go, you know what? I actually am. They're all old episodes, but uh, we made the move to YouTube. And he looked at me and went, oh, I'm sorry. And honestly, Sean, I don't know if he meant, I'm sorry you are not on TV anymore, or I'm sorry you're on YouTube. I chose not to describe it to him, but we were on TV. Uh, I was on TV, on the news, on channels for 10 years uh, after 2001, after my start. And um, my son said, you should be on YouTube. This is in uh, 2011. And I said, uh, you know, what, what am I going to do? He goes, well, what you're doing now? And he was about to go to law school and he didn't want to do that. Look, another unhappy person, not motivated to do the thing that he feels like he's meant to be doing. Anyway, so we start a YouTube channel. And it's, it was like a combination of a cooking show and a talk show. And it was live every, I don't know, three, three, twice a week at like five o'clock at night. And it was, I mean, live streaming in uh, 2011 was not very sophisticated. And it worked most of the time. Sometimes it didn't work. And it was clunky and it was awkward. And over the next um, seven years, we gained uh, 30,000 uh, subscribers on our YouTube channel, which is nothing to sneeze at. But it's not, uh, you know, nothing really great is happening at that point. And we decide to drop this live uh, component. Just do kind of like what I'd been doing back when they were shorter segments, but we're gonna make them 15, 20 minutes long. And they'll be shot and they'll be edited and they'll be tight. And we can get rid of the awkwardness and the pausing and all that kind of stuff, which is live television sometimes, or live, you know, whatever. In 2018, we had 30,000 subscribers. We changed how we did a few things. My son's camera work had gotten really good. It now is so good in his editing skills that my stuff looks better than any television I've ever been a part of. I had a series on Discovery's Health Channel. It's better than that. It's just great. And so we go from 2018 with 30,000 subscribers. His work's getting good. We're starting to change how we approach the recipes and the food that we do. In one year, 2019, we now have a million subscribers. And we hit that on my birthday uh, in 2019. 2020, uh, the day before my birthday, my son's birthday, we now hit 2 million subscribers. This past August, within two days of both of our birthdays, we hit 3 million subscribers. Now that's something, something's going on there. And whether it's just you roll a, a ball down a hill and it picks up speed as it gets to the bottom. More people are aware of what's going on. YouTube is now really becoming something. My name's getting out there. Whatever it was, it's starting to happen. And where people watching it, people are watching it at home on their computers and on that phone in their pocket that Sean Walshelf loves to talk about every second of his life. It's just making a huge impact. And it look for me, it started because I just wanted to be happy. But this is the medium for us that makes an impact. I have uh, three restaurants 
when I am, uh, when I post certain things on my, uh, on my social media, what happens? People come into the restaurant. They go, I saw your post. I wanted to try that new burger. That's, I guess it's amazing. It's amazing how this works. And yes, there's that guy out there that says, oh, I'm sorry you're, you're, uh, you're on YouTube or you're not on TV anymore. But TV is, uh, I mean, come on. Regular everyday TV. How about radio? Where, where's all this stuff headed? Like, what's the end game for radio? Sean and I talk about this, and I we have friends on in the in the radio world, but uh, but I don't really know what the plan is there. Well, I have a friend that just bought a magazine, a magazine in 2021, and I can only imagine it's all about the digital play there, because I just don't know how many. How many people are picking up an actual mag magazine? Because you know what? The beautiful pictures are, are nice and they're glossy. But the way they come out on a, a good uh, computer screen, hey, even better. I don't have to hold that 100-page uh, that, uh, thing anymore carried around with me. I can have 100 of them on my phone, and they don't take up any more space than one of them. So that's, you know, look. If you're ignoring that space, you might as well go start a VCR company because that's the future. The future is this, it is digital. It's amazing to me the power that we have in that phone. Somebody said this to me once, I think it's probably true. There is more power in the cell phones that you now have, these smartphones, than all the computing uh, equipment that was on I guess, Apollo, I don't know, which one landed on the moon? Which, which follow is that? Somebody, anybody. Anyway, it's fantastic that it's there. And if we're not taking advantage of it, if we're not using it, look, that helped me go from a fledgling little TV show to now an audience on YouTube. We shoot three episodes a week and there's over three million people that are in the audience. I mean, potentially in the audience. Just because they're all there doesn't mean that everybody's watching, but, but they're there. People that have hit the subscribe button because they like what we're doing. How do you make an impact? You make an impact with that phone, with social media. I can go stand out in the middle of the, uh, the street where my house is and start yelling, and maybe three neighbors will hear it, and maybe one will come out and just say good morning or tell me to shut up because I'm yelling and it's too early. One comment on my phone goes to hundreds of thousands and millions of people just like that. That's all you need to know. That analogy, standing on your street or yelling or, or putting something out on your social media. If you can't grasp the impact that that can make, you're missing a lot. And whether your business is selling barbecue in San Diego or, uh, or selling uh, uh, stuffed koala bears uh, in Australia, uh, it's going to help you. It's there to be used. It's your friend. And you know, this thing is, Sean always talks about asking for help. It's right there. It can't talk to you, but if it could, it would say, hey buddy, use me. I can be your best friend. I've made a career out of being authentic, out of being really me. People will meet me and they'll go, wow, you're exactly like you are on, on the screen. I go, because that's, that's one version of me. I know not everybody is that. There are people that have an on-screen persona and off. 
I prefer to just be the same. I'm not that bright. Having to only remember one version of me is it. Uh, but, um, wait, I've lost my thought. There's only one version of me, uh, but I, it's an authentic version. What these phones, what this technology in your pocket lets you do is share that with whoever your audience is. People would rather you be super genuine in a moment than, than have a bunch of marketing people figure out some campaign. You want, there's been enough of that in, in, the, in the world, on, in the media, on the news, in front of the camera. There's enough disingenuine people that when someone can't find their whisk in their kitchen when they're cooking, people sit back and go, holy shit, that guy just lost his whisk. I do that all the time. He's like me. And that's the reality. So you want to like you want to like somebody that you feel good about that is like you. Yes, go ahead. Well, one of the one of the reasons when I first when I first met Sam, we were doing a barbecue event over at the Del Mar Thoroughbred Club, and we had a couple different agencies that were trying to coordinate this event. And the reason why I connected with Sam was he interjected into the email and he said, "Sean, just call me." And literally within sixty seconds, he found out what he needed and what needed to be accomplished. And we were able to create a relationship because we both believed in the same truth and storytelling. Let's be authentic. Let's talk about the event. Let's not overcomplicate what needs to happen. And uh, we're going to open it up for questions. I see Greg Rempe, the great Greg Rempe of the Barbecue Central Show. He is on uh, Tuesdays once a month with Sam the Cooking Guy. He has a regular segment on his show. But he is on stage out here to support. Greg Rempe, can you unmike and ask Sam a hard-hitting question? Yeah, I have one, and I apologize for any sound quality issues as I'm in a local Target here taking in this <laughs> great interview. Um, I guess my question for Sam would be, since you're so successful on YouTube, 3 million subscribers plus, there's also a myriad of additional social media platforms. Do you find it hard to try and engage in all of them? Do you even try to engage in all of them? And depending on what your answer is, do you feel like you might be missing out on some potential extra audience? Uh, that's a good question, uh, Greg in Target in Cleveland. Thank you for asking that. Uh, there's too much social media. There really is. Uh, it's hard to keep up with it. Look, uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. I mean, we, Tick, TikTok. We, TikTok, Reddit, uh, LinkedIn, LinkedIn, there, you know, I look, I try to jump on and engage. Sorry, let me take that back. I used to try and jump on and engage as often as I could in as many platforms as I could. But a couple things happened. Most notably, uh, I would start reading comments and 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 feel great about uh, whatever I was reading and talking to people and then I'd start getting, you're a stupid, you can't cook, you're an asshole, why should, who gave you a cooking show, that kind of thing. Uh, the darker side of uh, social media and stuff, and I would, I would, uh, I would back up and uh, get off. Uh, and I don't like that, and it's not an ego thing, but I just don't like the negative. If I watch a TV show, or I watch a YouTube channel, and I hate the channel, I would never think of 
sending them a note saying you guys are fools and with a bunch of shitty content. I would never do that. Why people are moved to, to share their hate of you is absolutely beyond me. So I, that kind of keeps me from doing that. But I responded to a Reddit comment the other day the return comment, I could not believe how happy this person was that, that the family cooking guy re reacted to him. So I want to do it. I try and do it more often, but, but it's very difficult. Look, I've uh, notoriously made fun of some of so much of the social media stuff because where do you stop? I mean, I, you can't be on 2000 things. I mean, you might be able to shine. I can't. I can't. Because I feel like if I'm there, there's some responsibility to, to respond. Look, if you write uh, our email address for uh, the channel, uh, somebody will respond. And I've said if somebody takes the time to write us with a comment and a question, we can take the time to reply back to them. Except now it's becoming way too much. Uh, my assistant, Beth, spends an awful lot of time doing this. Responding to nice people, of course, the, the mean people don't get any response. But I think that's got to that even that has to come to an end because there's there's just too much of it out there. I'm happy to have her do it, but her whole day can't be filled with you know. Thank you, Irma from Iowa. Um, we appreciate the offer, but no, Sam doesn't want any of your homegrown um, cauliflower. Well, I, think, I think Sam, Sam, I think you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. You're on more platforms than most people are that have the amount of influence that you do. And the fact that you're here on Clubhouse, Rise and Grind, Breakfast with Champions, we're grateful for that. Um, anybody that wants to know how to be on all platforms at all times, just take a look at what the Meltzer, Meltzer Media team does because uh, David has an incredible way of amplifying his message. But we have another question, Sam, from Troy Hooper. Nourish Brands. Troy, you want to go ahead and unmic and ask Sam your question? Yeah, good morning, Sean. Thank you for the invitation. Good morning, Sam. Great uh, story. I'm glad to, glad to be here. Uh, Sam, I've been listening to you talk, and, and I agree, Sean, you need, to, you need to give yourself a little bit more uh, credit. You're, you're definitely there, and you're definitely connecting authentically. But when you think about your audience and you think about um, this digital one-way avenue, so to speak, which is predominantly one-way, um, with the exception of the live interactions you might have with guests, but how do you how do you um, think about uh, cre creatively? How do you come up with new ways to connect authentically to really transition from sort of digital marketing, digital entertainment, um, this one way street most of the time, to really converting to digital hospitality to sort of uh, making that authentic connection with your um, with your audience. I'm curious about some ideas because you know obviously um, variety is a necessity. Evolution is a necessity to maintain the attention of an audience as we all become more and more fickle and less uh, and more and more ADD, so to speak. You know, it's a, it's a look. It's a really good question. Um, this platform allows for this. Uh, an exchange conversation back and forth and I really like that um, I like being in front of a live audience I get now why why film actors like to do theater because they say something and there's a reaction you can feel the audience 
you push and pull them in a certain direction. And to me, that's great. And that is kind of the, the downside of, of all of this stuff because it's essentially one way. You're right. It's a, it's a good way to put it. And so what can we do? Um, so we've done a couple AMAs, Ask Me Anything. Um, you sit and you respond. We've done a Reddit one before. Uh, but I'd like a, a live version of that. I think somebody asks a question. And when you stop and you pause, the person answering it, when they stop and pause, or they giggle, that to me is real life kind of stuff. And, and trying to get that. So we've been talking about doing a, 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 a not a back and forth, but like a one way where you can watch and me and Max and Chance, the three of us, or, or just me, the, the three of us that work on the show, we'd be there like a panel and people could, people could ask their questions and, and we would respond. We like the idea of that. You know, we were working on a live tour version of Sam the Cooking Guy before the pandemic hit. And that would be, uh, we'd go to, you know, four or five different cities, maybe six, and do like some live cooking thing, but then the audience is there because there's something about that live audience that's very difficult to duplicate in social media. But what I know is I have a, I give myself credit. I do get that there's a big audience out there. And I know if we said, hey, we're going to come to Cleveland, for example, on a, on a Wednesday night and do something live, I think there'd be a, a nice sized group of people there um, to hang out and, uh, and, and to share. And for me, you know, one of the best parts of being in a live room is that you get the wisdom and experience of what other people can say or their questions. We get this question from you, Troy, because it's because you're able to ask it. Uh, everybody learns from everybody else in a room like that. And that, that's one of the, the great things that, that happen. You know, we react to requests for recipes being made by what people say to us on social media. Uh, we just did... Uh, uh, I just shot a, a recipe the other day that came right off of Reddit. Somebody goes, I'd love to see you do this. And we've been looking at that for one, so let's make it. So this back and forth play is the thing I'd really try and like to see if it could be pulled off. And I, I get we're doing that here, but I, I'd like there to be like a, a visual component to it. And I'm not quite sure how to make that happen yet. You know, and sometimes you go on, uh, if you do like an Instagram live or something, you go, hey, I'm just going to sit here and answer some questions. The questions come so fast and so furious. It's, it's, it's just hard to keep up with it. It really is. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to make this organized more. But, but that would be the thing that we're trying to get ourselves to, that we can share with our audience. And this is not just me, my wish. People ask for stuff like this. We did a Sam the Cooking Guy live thing a few years ago because, because we thought it would be really fun. We sold out a 500-seat theater. I did cooking on stage, but then spent a bunch of the time with a mic in my hand in the audience having fun with people. It was, it was really great. And that's so old school. I mean, it's not you need 3 million people on YouTube, and now I'm saying, well, it would be great to uh, be in a room with four or 500 people. That's like... That's me standing in the middle of my street yelling, right? And only two people hear you. 
instead of getting on social media. But, but there is something to that that, that helps the, the genuineness, the, the real person part come out. You can't hide in a, you can hide on social media. You'd be the world's biggest piece of shit, but come across one way. I don't think you can hide in a room of a, you know, a few hundred people, that kind of thing. So, so that's a, I don't know. I, I don't know if I even got close to answering your question. But <laughs> so you're going on tour is what, is what I got from that. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> thanks, Sam. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, we turned our barbecue business into a media business, and I couldn't have done it without my producer, uh, Stover. So he spent all the time articulating these articles, all the interviews that I've done with Sam. I mean, we think that we're the business biographer for Sam. Uh, but Stover, <laughs> you, you, have, you, you have a question, because usually it's me asking Sam all the questions, and then Stover... Uh, actually putting that out into content for our for our website. But Stover, go ahead and unmic and ask Sam your question. Hey, Sam, uh, one of the great things I, I love about you is that you work with your kids. Yeah. And, and you're all about your family. Uh, I have a two-year-old, and I have this dream that one day he's going to work for me. But I don't think he has any skills yet. I don't think he can run a video camera yet. So how do <laughs> I get him going so by the time he's old enough, I can have uh, my family work for me? The real yeah. question is, what's yeah. it like working with your family, and how do you make that work? Because... I think it's really great, and I notice your fans are constantly searching for your kid's name on Google yeah. when we do our Google Analytics search. So I know that I know a lot of people are really interested in your family. You know, look, Stover, uh, and by the way, thank you for all the work you've put into watching my face on the interviews that we've done. Um, it's back to that genuine part, you know? Who is this person? Uh, where do they come from? What do they like? Uh, what's their day like? What do they eat? What's their uh, predilections? That kind of thing. It's, it's, it's interesting how much people want. And the more you share, the more they want you to share. I mean, how much do you know about, uh, you know, uh, I don't know, Rachel Ray, just to grab a name out of the air? A certain amount. Uh, you know, her house burnt down in a fire uh, during COVID. But that's super big public stuff. You know, it's uh, the smaller things. Like, what what are my kids' names? And and uh, I'll tell you this: my my son Max and I, that have been doing this together now for ten years, have had such horrible moments of arguing, disagreeing, of fighting. We went and saw a. I don't want to call her a business coach, because it was less about business, but more about how people in that business need to learn to operate with each other. It was essentially business therapy. And it took, it took that to help keep us on track. Um, I said to him the other day, we were in the middle of shooting and I went, holy shit, boys, can you feel the love in the room? And that's nothing I would have said uh, four years ago. Working with family is either a blessing or a curse. It really is. In my case, it's a blessing, Stover, because I know I can count on Max to care about this stuff as much as I do. That's not always the case. Well, look, I suppose it's not always the case with, with all family members. And it's not always the case with employees. It's hard to ask somebody that um, is, is cooking burgers or, or, or making the brisket or, you know, uh, uh, sewing together those koala bears to give a shit as much as you do. But this was Max's idea in the beginning. And damn it, if he doesn't uh, head up this, I call him my boss. His singular focus is how do we do this? How do we make it better? How do we get more views? How do we give our audience what they want? So 
Look, it's a. You have to work at this family uh, coexistence in the same business. You really do. If you think it's going to be like a regular employee-employer relationship, it's not. My son and I are neither employee or employer. We're partners in this. And, and we, we treat it the right way now. I mean, look, I have a fairly a big opinion of things. Uh, of I have a large personality and um, I've been doing, and I'm, you know, twice as old as my son is. I feel like I deserve to have twice the opinions, but you just can't do that. You have to find some middle ground. I've been married 36 years. I joke it and I say it's because I know how to say yes, dear, but it's not that it's, you've got to learn how to coexist with somebody else. One of my brothers told me on the day of my wedding, he thinks this is the, the key to longevity in a marriage is you don't argue about the things that are, that are more important to somebody else. If my wife wants to rearrange all the furniture in the house and I don't have an opinion about that, why get into a fight about it? If Max feels that the title of a video or a theme for a video or a graphic for a video should be something, I, I put that in his hand and I let him do that. I worked for a guy once, the CEO of the biotech company. He got way the F up in everybody's business. He would hire a director of chemistry and then tell that director of chemistry what to do. And I would say to him, Barry, what are you doing? Let that guy be who you hired him to be. Max shoots and edits and he doesn't direct. There's really not much direction in, in when we shoot, it's very casual. But that's his job. So why am I going to start throwing my opinions down unless it's a really strong opinion that I have? If it's not a strong opinion, then let the person who's responsible for it do it. And with family, the problem is the inclination to get up in their business is there for some reason. I don't know why. I'm a father. I'm meant to teach him what to do. Well, guess what? He's a he's a man now. <clears throat> He's a grown adult. He is a partner. He knows what to do, and I have to trust that he knows what to do, and he does. But it's taken us a while to get there, Sarah. Really has. But put a put a camera, put a tele a, a phone with a good video camera in it in your two year old's hand. You'll be surprised at what will come out of it in a few years. That's a great question, Stover. I I actually. Uh... My son has taken taken the smartphone, the iPhone, out of my hand and starting to do to do videos. So, uh, Sam, I love I love I love that. Jake, do you have any questions or any other moderators before we wrap up the room? Yes, let's take one more question uh, from Mike Mamola. So, Mike, if you want to unmute yourself, feel free and uh, ask the last question of the day. Good morning, everyone. Thanks, Jake. Good morning, Sean, and thank you so much, Sean, for bringing Sam on. Hi, Sam. First time uh, I've got I've had the opportunity to listen to you, and absolutely loved your uh, your story. So thank you for that. You. Congrats for being uh, friends with Sean. You thereby uh, I obviously get the benefit to uh, share his food <laughs> and delicious grilling and cooking barbecue all the time. We just had the benefit of that. So a huge fan of Sean's too. My my question to you is, you know, I think I attribute I, from listening to you so much of your success to that authentic quality, that every man or every woman quality that you clearly possess and so articulately uh, demonstrated to all of us. Is that something that was always a part of you? Or is that something, you know, wh when you were doing the real estate and things, 
Or is that something that at some point you had this aha moment and said, you know, if I'm really going to connect with the planet, I have to be me. And and what led you to doing that? Because that's where I think a lot of people are afraid and, and stop themselves short. So thanks. You know, fa fabulous question. It really is. Um, I'll tell you this. Uh, when I think back on uh, my biotech career, I was happiest when I was in front of the company. I, I, I went from facilities manager to director of operations. So my scope was much uh, wider. I had more opportunities to be addressing the whole company. I could not talk science. I wouldn't talk science. That wasn't my thing. But I could talk about changes and what was coming up. And the president liked me to do it because he said people like you. And I think they liked me because I was uh, there was no bullshit. It was just what needed to be said. And I would say it in a, I think, a nice way. When I started cooking, uh, I imagined I had to be like everybody else on television. I had to have all my stuff prepared in front of me. I had to act a certain way. Um, and it was about five months in, and I was not very good. But I said one day, you know, I, I, I try and think about who I'm trying to model myself after. There's enough of me to be me. There's enough of you to be you. There's enough of Sean to be Sean. There's enough of David Meltzer to be David Meltzer. We got enough in us, ladies and gentlemen that we don't now have to try and be somebody else. The world didn't need another Bobby Flay or Emeril Lagasse or whoever I was trying to get my head around being. It was, a, it was a moment of clarity that I didn't understand until I started doing it. And that's why, you know, it's funny, we talk, people go, how do I get into videos? How do I do this? I don't know what to do, I got these cameras. I go, just start. Just take your phone, turn it on yourself and start talking. Because until you do that, you don't know what's going to come out. You're not going to have any, any, any uh, success. you got to learn. But I would watch myself, and finally one day I had that moment. I'd go, I'm just going to be me from now on. And what comes out comes out. My grandmother would say, it's why they make different flavors of ice cream. If somebody didn't like real me, go watch somebody else. But clearly there's enough that like real Sam, it's working. Our time's up. Sam, you are... Uh, I hit the post. You're, you're a friend. You're a mentor. Mike, uh, thank you for the question. Jake, thank you for the space. David Meltzer, thank you for the room. Uh, Glenn Lundy and Sarah, you guys are incredible. Breakfast with Champions, thank you for the time. Jake, do you want to close it out? I sure will. Thank you so much, Sam. What an hour of power. Really appreciate it. Sean, you are amazing. Thank you again, everybody, for joining, asking their questions. That was, uh, that was a really good hour. So have a great rest of your weekend, everybody, here on The Breakfast with Champions. And uh, if you'd like to email David, uh, who helped set this up, feel free to email him, david at dmelter.com. Thank you for joining us on Breakfast with Champions. If you want to catch the live version, you can follow us on Clubhouse and listen from 5 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, Monday through Friday, Saturday 6 to noon, and Sundays with our 111 Sunday service. Make sure you're keeping up with Breakfast with Champions and getting yourself a seat at the table.